Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, today we're talking about emotions and flow dreaming as a method for manifesting in midlife with Summer McStravick. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle, with over a million downloads and counting. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor, and I am so glad to be here with you again. Now, today we're dipping our toes into a little bit of woo-woo. Now, I usually don't go that deep into woo, but you know what? I met somebody who I was simply fascinated with who can really help you connect more to your emotions in such a useful and meaningful way that we're going in. (laughs) We're just going in. So, but just quick, before we get going, I want to invite you to have a happiness breakthrough yourself. Now, I know when you're stuck in a midlife funk, feeling confused and unclear about what's next, it can be hard to even imagine what might be on the other side of your breakthrough to getting unstuck and clear about what you want. So I want to offer an easy way to start moving in that direction. You can give yourself the jumpstart you need in the form of a happiness breakthrough coaching session. It's a 90-minute private coaching call that's basically a deep dive into what's getting in the way of your clarity. We can coach on anything you need to make a breakthrough because, my friend, I have a feeling, I really do, that you are tired of wasting valuable time. So head over to www.nextchapterbreakthrough.com. I have a few spots open now, and one of them can be yours. So now let me tell you a little bit about my guest, Summer McStravick. Today's podcast episode is about using your emotions and flow dreaming as a method for manifesting what you want in midlife. Today's interview is with Summer McStravick. Summer is somebody who's rebuilt her life not just once, but many times over, so much so that she wrote a book about this process of successfully navigating the act of inner reinvention. Summer is a personal growth coach, author, podcaster, and creator of Flow Dreaming, a mind-body technique for manifesting and growing inner emotional strength. Her books and podcasts have been used by over 180,000 people to transform their inner emotional landscapes as well as their external lives. Her latest book is called Stuff Nobody Taught You, 40 Lessons from Me School to Help You Stop Being Miserable and Start Feeling Amazing. In this episode, you're going to hear about her experience and how she discovered the jewel hidden inside any part of your life, including midlife. Summer is a seasoned architect of emotions in the self-development and manifesting space. She helps you harness your emotions so you can program your future and your experience with unstoppable up-leveling and personal growth in every aspect of your life. Summer's also the host of the long-standing podcast, Flow Dreaming, Still Kinda Woo Woo, (laughs) which is all about mixing a pinch of woo and a ton of practical advice to help you move forward the way you want to. I know you're going to find our conversation both inspiring, full of great ideas, and yes, kind of woo-woo. So please enjoy. Hi, Summer. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Thank you, Susie. I'm so happy to be here. I am so happy happy? you're here too. Oh, I am happy. Especially already I'm thinking San Diego thoughts because that, you know, that's where you're from. And I just, ah, such fun memories. Well, I have to say that you had me at the name Flow Dreaming, 
And it's kind of woo-woo, which is partially the name of your podcast, which just made me smile and grab my attention. And, you know, I don't have too many guests from the land of woo. I'm a woo curious type of person. I'm a toe dipper. And that's why I thought, wow, you've got this flow dreaming concept. We got to do it. There's more to learn. And I love your approach of this process of reshaping the world to access, as you say, creative, energetic underside of life so you can sculpt and direct your future. So I knew we had to learn more. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> well, I'm happy to be the woo ambassador into your life. <laughs> um it. <laughs> I will share the land of Woodham with you and we'll come to common ground, I'm sure. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm I'm so ready. So let's start by telling everyone a little bit about who you are and how you flowed into this direction in your life. What was going on for you in your 40s that helped you clarify what was next for you? Let's start there. Oh, 40s were really, really big for me. So I had already been practicing flow dreaming for a good 20 years. Um, I had written a book about it and started a podcast and uh, it was all doing really great. Um, began working with clients and people, teaching people. And then um, this was kind of a big one, right in the middle of building this flow dreaming empire of teaching. Uh, I was diagnosed with breast cancer um, and it was, um, it had spread <laughs> that kind. So I was 43 and completely shocked. I mean, just taken off my feet. Wow. And um, I had to kind of rebalance everything. I mean, I still had two kids. One was going in seventh grade, one was in fourth grade and um, running this company and teaching. And I think that was the biggest thing for me that pivoted me over, I don't know, it's been what, eight years now. Uh, the biggest thing that, that was my pivot and um, my recognition that you're not you're not going to be 40 forever. And that if I reached 45, I was going to cheer. Um, it made me really, really aware that life is, is, um, short in, in even if it's 90 years you've got, um, and that you're not taking it for granted like I used to. And so I began to live a lot more intentionally. Um, even I, I guess you could say a lot more freely. Um, I took a lot of filters off that used to be there starting with my hair. <laughs> when you lose that, that's your first filter against the world. Of course, I got it back. And I think that was the beginning of my journey into sort of understanding the second half of life and what I would like it to be like. Mm. Yeah, classic wake up call. They they show up in different ways with different meanings, the way mm -hmm. we get hit with them. But it sounds like it really jolted you into the importance of being way more intentional. Yeah. Um Intentional in terms of um, not just what I wanted to do or the milestones that I wanted to reach. And that's something I've noticed a lot about getting older. I'm 52 now. Um, you reach a certain set of milestones and each time you reach one, you kind of go, oh, okay, there's one more. Is that it? And then you start looking down the road and you realize, oh, the milestones I'm looking forward to now, I don't really like those. You know, my parents are aging. My kids are going to move out. And so the happy milestones seem to be dwindling and the yucky ones seem to be increasing. And that was for me where I thought, oh, that's not how I want the next 20, 30 years. If I get those 20, 30, 40 years, it's not how I want them to feel. So how do I change those milestones? How do I make things feel differently and be different? Even when no one like society doesn't really give you those newer, better milestones when you're 50 and 60 and 70 or 80. 
So that's no, what you're and, and for. Yeah, we're very much in autopilot coping, growing, doing. And mm-hmm. it was it's kind of like the last time we made these big assessments, many of us, we were in our early 20s and everybody was thinking about it. And we were all kind of making some goals and some plans. And then what do you know, yeah. 20, 30 years goes by a wake up call or two, some scary shit goes down. And then here we are. <laughs> exactly. Now, one thing. One thing you mentioned in your notes is that you thought you may have also started to feel emotionally flatlined. Um, that really <laughs> yeah. stood out to me because I really relate to that. For me, it was between 45 and 50. Tell me a little bit more about what that was like for you. Emotional flatlining for me, um, I, you know, I guess people could call it depression, but I think a lot of people never bother to get diagnosed. They just feel like I have no interest. I have no passion. I have no, I have no desire. Like all my passions, I did all my, you know, desires either were fulfilled or they weren't fulfilled, but I just kind of gave up and I'm going through these motions. And now you're asking me to feel something again. And I have no idea what I even want to feel or how to feel things. And it's sort of like a, a lowering down of, of emotional ability that I think happens to us over time, especially when we've been through a series of repeated setbacks or, or repeated frustrations. Um, so it's a mishmash of a little bit of giving up, a little bit of, uh, depression, a little bit of, I don't even know what I want, like a lostness. So I've been through that a number of times. And, you know, one of the things I talk to people about and write about is reinvention and refinding that. Um, one of the things I'll often ask somebody is, what if the next 10 years could be the absolute best decade of your life? And when I see that deer in the headlights look, I go, oh, you're flatlined, aren't you? Because the, the concept of that is just like, how is that possible? Everything I did was was back then. You know, it was the marriage back then or having my kids back then or the new job back then. I haven't felt those feelings in decades. How could the next 10? The next 10, I just plan to get through. And I'm like, oh, hold on, you know, I know. you're, you're like a flat. It's like if we were, if we were in a cartoon, we'd hear that screech, you know, it's like, yeah. um, yeah. And yeah. the other thing is that there's this mindset that I call it like the downhill slide to the finish line. So we don't mm-hmm. even appreciate that that's kind of what we're thinking. And yeah. just imagine all the feelings associated with that kind of a belief that the good yeah. stuff is over. Mm-hmm. The good stuff is over. I mean, that's really what that belief is. And yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it's something to really look at. So where did this dream of yeah. building your own mind, body, spirit, wellness company come from? And when did you hatch the flow dreaming piece? Okay. One, one more, one more thing just to, for what we were just saying. Oh, sure. Reminded me. Um, I remember when I turned 50, my thought was, Okay, I'm right in the dead center of my life. What's my next 50? And I thought, oh my God, I cannot be giving up right in the dead center. And so I tell people that all the time. Like, I love you the center? that. You're in the middle. Are you giving right. up right now in the dead center? And they're shocked like, oh God, I never thought of it that way. I'm like, well, think of it that way. Exactly. <laughs> That's kind of why, you know, women in the middle, the name of this podcast, it's not, yeah. we're not women at the end. <laughs> it so reframes really- everything. If you really believe it, mm-hmm. then that's a lot of life left to live. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I'm like, so you just did all the junior stuff. You did all the, the, the grade school stuff. That's all complete. The kids and the babies and the whatever, that's all done. The career, you did it. Great. Now what? And it's like, oh God, where's the roadmap for the next 50? I'm like, well, that's the great like part. We get to make it ourselves. Again, (laughs) you get to make it when you're wiser. (laughs) You're old. You're not just older. You're older and wiser. Yeah. Okay. So now getting back to the, uh, the, where this idea originated for you, um, what was going on? And then of course, to, to hatch this idea that it's not just that you have a concept, but that you want to actually build a mind, body, spirit wellness company. So do tell. Ooh, well, that actually goes back a long time. Um, I have a practice I call flow dreaming and it's a mind, body, spirit. It's a woo woo practice. If yes. You will. <laughs> um, it can be a woo woo practice. I have plenty of therapists actually who, who, um, and academics and they sometimes call it flow dreaming. Sometimes we talk about it as emotional reconditioning because that's more, you know, less woo woo sounding, but it gets the job done. And. I practiced it in the beginning as a method for manifesting. And that's the woo-woo part. Um, this, this understanding that life has, uh, an up and a down and a, and a front side and a back side and a here and a there. And it's got action and what I call pre-action. Action being the physical stuff that we do. We make physical choices and have physical decisions and we try to guide ourselves. What's going to get us happy and, and wealthy and healthy and, and wise. But aside from just the physical choices that we make, the mental choices, um, in my beliefs, there's another side of things, which is there's an emotional, there is a spiritual, there is an energetic, there is the internal self and the external self. Um, there's the invisible self and the visible self. So I said, I, I want to have my visible or my invisible self on board as well. And I feel like the physical self is the one that gets things done because that's its job to like physically do stuff. But the invisible self, the spirit self, the energy self is there to be the guidance and utilizes the brain and good decision making. But essentially it's powered on something else. Love, emotion, uh, desire. Where are all those coming from? You know, the, the bits that make us this unique being compared to every single other person on earth. That's our energetic self. And I ask it, uh, where do we want to go? How do we want to feel, especially how do we want to feel? Looking back, um, I often say, think about something fabulous that happened to you in your life. Like just feel it for a moment, remember it. And what comes up is, yeah, there's pictures and there's maybe a mental idea of it or a year, but what really comes up is the feeling around it. I remember the feeling. That's That's what I've captured. And that's what Every major decision in our life really has come down to. There was the moment we said, I'm getting the divorce. The moment we said, I am quitting this job. The moment we said, I graduated. It's in, it's embedded as a feeling in us and it guides us. It's how we make our final decisions each and every single time. So getting into this world of flow dreaming, we're going into these rich and deep feelings and we're using them to, as I would say, sculpt the energy, sculpt ourselves communicate with that energetic and spiritual self and kind of offer our lives a roadmap through how we want to end up feeling, which I have a word for that. It's called our emotional endpoints. So for me, um, when I look at my next 50, I'm not thinking in terms of what do I want to get done? What do I want to accomplish? Um, and yeah, building a company for me was a big part of that because really it was just a way I could spread the message 
and not have to work for anybody else, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> teach people and help them. But my actual next 10 years or 50 is how I want to feel. And so every decision I make, I ask myself, is this leading me toward these feelings or is it leading me away from these feelings? And that's really caused a revolution in how I um, move toward or away from things. Because even things you quote, quote, should do, I'm still asking, how is that making me feel? Is it bringing me toward the feelings I want or is it taking me away? Um, it's a game changer in terms of how you choose to live. And I love that summer. I love it so much. And and right away, it it just can bring up so much conflict even just by thinking about it because so many of us are so disconnected from our feeling state. Even when we figure out that what we actually do is related to our feeling state and that we have more power to actually create our feelings than we believe. So like, it's like, yeah, that all sounds good, but there's this problem and there's this problem and I'm so disconnected and blah, blah, blah. But I love the idea. So when you first were pulling all this together as a concept and as a reality for yourself, what were some of the feelings that you were becoming very clear about their importance? Mm, Good question. So like I said, originally I was using flow dreaming as a way to manifest things. And manifest is like a really popular trendy term. But for me, it meant I really want to advance in my career. Like I really want to have a great career. I want to be recognized and seen and I want to get my messages out there and do something that's valuable. So I would practice those feelings. I'd go into what I call flow state, um, which is the technique, and I would practice those feelings. I am seen, I am felt, I am um, eating, gobbling up this world. And that be- that was like a, a, a start. You, and we've all been through that phase of our life where we, we have that, oh, you know, I think as we age, maybe that changes a little bit. And that kind of outward growth is not as important as inward growth. Eventually, though, this began to keep changing and changing for me. Now, when I'm flow dreaming or manifesting for myself or creating, shaping, you know, the energies of my future, I'm instead doing things like I feel myself giddily happy, wildly surprised. I'm doing things with my life that I could never have seen that the universe and life and everything around me has just gifted and sort of benevolently, like benevolently. That's a hard on one. My yeah. plate. That's a hard one, right? <laughs> so I'm I'm allowing myself to be guided and led a lot more. I'm trusting, I guess you could say the universe a lot more in the things that will make me happy because literally I, I've learned that you can go for certain things and sometimes you get them and sometimes you don't. But if you're always asking, bring me the things that will make me exquisitely and deeply satisfied, deeply happy, whatever it takes, I'm showing up for it. I'm there. I commit, it's almost like making a pact with the universe or, or God, you know, your higher power. I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm all in. Give it to me and I will run with it. Those are more the kind of things that I create now and the, and the feelings. And when I talk about these feelings, um, part of this practice means actually self-generating these feelings. Something that I also learned along the way is we're always waiting for life to let us feel certain things. And that's how most of us live the first half. If I do this, then I can feel like that. If I get married, then I can feel like that. If I get promoted, then I get to feel like that. And after a while, you realize the world's job isn't really to make us, to to give us the feelings that we want. We're always trying to have the world do it for us. 
And so I now give the world the feelings that I want. I flip the equation. I say, I'm going to feel this way. I have no rational reason in the world for feeling this way. Nothing happened to give me permission to feel this way. But I'm feeling this way because I call it um, creating a blueprint for my life or a template. And I say, this is this is how I intend to feel. I'm going to show you world. I feel exquisitely happy. I feel comfortably satisfied. I feel deeply loved. I feel forgiven. I feel heard. I feel um healthy. Whatever it is that's on my list, I feel this way. And I feel the actual feelings. I know I'm just stating it like an affirmation, but I'm actually going to practice where I feel this way. When right. I and, that, you know, and watching you here on Zoom, when you were describing oh, that, your eyes were closed. And uh, I, you know, I could see that you were really, really connecting. And that's such a simple strategy, but it does so much to help you focus and connect. Yes. Uh, I, I tend to close my eyes because when I go into flow, I, I do that. <laughs> kind of let things just flow through me, move through me. Um, but the yes. other thing, the other thing I noticed, Summer, is that you said giddily happy. And when you said that, I was giddy because I use the word giddy all the time because I can identify it. You know, with motions, we can get so sloppy with our emotions and we can get so, um, uh, superficial, you know, mm-hmm. like to just say, just saying happy is great, but saying exquisitely happy, saying giddily happy, like it, it really shows more intensity and what's possible and it like raises the bar. And I, I just love that you described it that way. Even when you used the word surprised, you said wildly surprised. And I have been wildly surprised twice in the last couple of years in my fifties and it blew me away. It taught me so much about what crazy things are still possible on this side of 50. It blew some of my belief systems right out of the water. I didn't even know that I was kind of limiting my belief, but wildly surprised is I don't know. It's a little better. I think it's a better way to describe my feeling than shocked. I was shocked, but I was wildly surprised. Like surprised is a little happier. It's a little more on the positive side. Oh my gosh. I love that. So, um, I've never heard anybody describe a feelings like that. Is that something you became very intentional about doing as you were digging deeper or do you even know you're doing it? Um, <laughs> I don't know that I knew that I was doing it. I do. I, I've been exploring, I call it the language of emotions. Yes. Um, I say emotions are, you remember those big fat crayon boxes? You get like a hundred colors and it oh, was like, oh I my gosh, who doesn't oh, love the those? best box, right? With every single color. And it smells, say, it has that beautiful oh, smell in oh the chart, the sharpener on the back. And then Ooh. you would leave one on the carpet in the sunlight and it would melt in and your mom would just lose her mind. <laughs> Yes, those boxes, those boxes of crayons. Don't get me going. I'll talk about weeble wobbles and uh, everything that everybody over 50 will remember. Oh, yes. It makes me so happy. Spirograph, the original Spirograph with those pins that could kill everybody. You know what I just got? This is totally, totally off topic, but I had a birthday, um, about a week ago. And one of my best, thank you. One of my best friends got me great date Ken. She found it from like the nineties. And I'm like, great date, Ken. And I'm like, there's so many problems with that title for this Ken doll. He's still original in his box, but I'm like objectifying men. Women only want to date. I'm like, I, you know, part of my mind was like, 
And the other part was like, this is amazing. Oh, oh my, my gosh. I love it. You know, I, I mentioned that I turned 60 a couple of, uh, a couple of weeks ago and, oh. um, I got a, an original like Brady Bunch game. Oh, <laughs> my wow. sister got me because I just awesome. love the Brady Bunch. And I have a secret desire to entice Maureen McCormick to come on this podcast as a guest. So I'm saying it to you, a masterful manifester, just to get it out there. You encouraged me to put it out there. Okay. Here's what I would do. We'll get back to the crayon box in a second. Oh, tell me. I would go into flow and I would feel yourself. You are interviewing her. You are, you're just, you're exquisitely delighted to be in that space, that conversation. It is flowing. It was so easy. It just fell into the palm of your hand. And be sure to put a lot of ease into it oh, because you may have expectations that it will be really hard. I do have expectations it will be hard. I do, I know, Summer. See, what I do you do. think the universe is hearing from you right now? Oh, she expects it to be hard. We're going to be sure we give her hard. She expects it to be a long road. She'll never be seen or noticed. It won't get past the filters in the inbox. We're going to make sure that happens. So I call that lack thinking. Mm-hmm. It, it's like a, it's like putting roadblocks in front of ourselves. So you caught me. You caught take me. Take it away. <laughs> take it away. It is so easy. It is serendipitous. You are sitting next to somebody at a, a wedding, and that person happens to be, the, uh, you know, the person who delivers. I don't know their UPS person, right? And just, just weirdly perfect. And you go, oh, that's that's what I want. So oh, that's I the template that. you would put out. So going back to the crayon box again, weirdly perfect. Okay. I guess that's a feeling. Um, but that's kind of like wildly surprised. Yeah. So every emotion has a purpose. Every emotion is a crayon of color. So you could say the lack thinking is like a gunky olive brown or something. Yes. Right? Something not nice. Okay. Yeah. Is, I mean, I mean, some people love that color. I'm so sorry if that's your favorite color, but for that's most of place. us, <laughs> that's place. it does actually, because every time we have a lack thought, it's telling us something that we can heal. Or some part of ourselves that we've limited or blocked. So even like the black crayon, I say is wonderful. Even if black is like, you know, uh, make us, makes us feel like darkness or, or we can't see. I'm like, great. It's showing you that we need light here. You know, I mean, you, you couldn't paint the night sky without it, right? right. If you don't have a night sky, then you can't see stars. And even so when it, you describe that icky brownish greeny color, right away, I thought ground and plants. So it has that beautiful side to it too. Absolutely. Yeah. Ooh, no, you're right. So you're going to pick oh, you found a me. peachy pink color. And that is wild surprise. That is, I am delighted. And so there's another feeling. So some feelings have multiple feelings wrapped up in them. What wild surprise does is it, it gives, it tells the universe, it tells life. And remember, every time you feel something, you're literally adding to who you are. Your memories, they're being, it's stored in your neurons, kind of like meditation. The more you practice, the more these new neural networks happen. Sure. The more you yeah. have certain emotions, the more those emotional networks are also getting deeper and richer and bigger energetically or from a, a soul, or, you mm-hmm. know, soul or woo woo perspective. The more you're feeling something that is who you're literally becoming. I always say every feeling that you're having is like a new, you know, square on a, on a quilt. Right. So if you add a whole bunch of peachy pinks, you are now that it has become part of you. It will stay with you forever and ever, depending on what your beliefs are. You go to heaven. Those feelings are part of you. You practice them. You cultivated them. They became patches and pieces of you. So the more you're practicing these feelings, the more that you're becoming this thing. And what you become, I say, the world reflects back to you. 
right? It's like standing in a house of mirrors. If I'm this beautiful peachy pink wild surprise color and life is reflecting things back to me, I say, we always remember to go back to the idea of stop having life give you permission to have feelings and wait for the things to happen that let you feel that way. Right. I'm feeling that way. And I'm saying, okay, life now I'm flipping. I'm totally putting the cart before the horse here. You now have to align to me, find out some things that will help me feel this way. You need to match me because I'm tired of waiting on you. You match me instead. Anyway, going back to wildly surprised one more time. You know what? I'm trying to get a word in. (laughs) I'm gobsmacked by how much I was putting that negativity and lack in my way. I, I can't believe it. You know, this is what's so great is when a coach gets called out because, you know, we help so many people all the time on this stuff. I love it when it's so obvious to somebody else who's gifted at noticing it. We can't see it in ourselves. We can't see it. But it yeah. was so subtle. But I absolutely thought everything you said when you described it, that there would be so many filters that I would never get through. I've tried before. I haven't had success. And uh, I had this thought that I didn't even realize this is too hard. Followed because by you're totally normal. It's you're never totally normal. Happen. Yeah, I was failing in advance. And you're right. Mm-hmm. I don't need to wait permission to start believing that it's going to be easy and fun. And right away, that color is so in. I'm, I feel so lit up by that color and by welcoming it in. Um, wow. Listen to me sounding all woo. <laughs> And I do apologize for calling you out in front of you. No, I'm so excited. Not kind. No, I, (laughs) except it is because now you'll get that interview. (laughs) It's welcomed. I was shocked. I mean, I was so shocked. Yeah. And of course, if I didn't want to be called out, I wouldn't have responded to you. Right. Yeah. 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 You opened the door and I walked in because as a coach and as somebody who does this kind of work all the time, I realize how important it is to have thoughts that are useful. (laughs) The thought I had was not useful. Oh my gosh. I love it. I I love it. Thank you so much. Okay. So this whole crayon thing is so good. Uh, Every emotion is a crayon of color. I love it. So as you started to move into that direction of pursuing the dream of the wellness company and flow dreaming was, I'm sure you were having all kinds of other ideas about how to explain the concept uh, yeah. to people better and better. Um, mm-hmm. You must have been going out of your mind with weirdly excitement yourself. <laughs> Weird, weirdly excitement. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, to go back to wildly surprised when I was building this, we, we tend to put um, a lot of pressure on ourselves to do everything right, to figure out everything, right. to plot yeah. and plan perfectly, to be perfect. Um, we just, generally have that tendency. And if we're not perfect, we get very angry at ourselves. You should have done better, blah, 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 the whole thing. So wildly surprised and to go attach it to building this company meant, I don't know exactly how this will happen. All I know is that when it happens, this is how I'm going to feel. Uh, This gorgeous sense of this was the right thing for me and all the right pieces fell into place. And it was more than possible. It was waiting for me. It was waiting for me. All I had to do was walk into it. And see, this gives the sense that it's not all me doing it now. If it's waiting for me, if this kind of success or, or this, this future was waiting for me, 
it's sort of, it it feels like now it's half and half, half me doing the work, half something else helping me out. So I have this, uh, this feeling of general, again, benevolence of the universe. Um, I say we either live with a stingy universe or a bountiful one, you know, take your pick. Mm -hmm. A stingy one says, you're not going to get your needs met. You're not going to get that interview. You're going to have to work your tushy off for every dang little thing life gives you. Um, it's fickle. Um, it doesn't really love you. You have to do things to prove yourself to it all the time. And, and it's it may not or may fair. not reward you. And it's, or it's not, not even there. fair, right? The life's not, life's fair, not fair thought is, mm-hmm. is so there for yeah. so many people. Yeah. Oh, talk about cancer. Why did you give me that? You must hate me. Right. right. I, I, uh, unexpected. Or the universe is actually abundant. Everything is here before you. You, if you can't cherry pick it, meaning you can't say life gives me certain things and takes away other things, doesn't want me to have it. Then that's like an arbitrary parent, one that you can't depend on or count on. You know, that would be called an abusive home. (laughs) You know, you give like the same feeling you have for your kids. I'm going to give you every single thing you need to grow, to thrive, to explore, to do better than me. Like if that, that's my universe, that's, it wants me to even do better than it. If that's possible to say. So I'm going to give you everything. And sometimes I won't give you everything you need right away. Cause I want you to kind of reach for it and grow and see what you're you know capable of doing. So there's going to be some times where you have to really work, figure stuff out, maybe have some setbacks, but that's not because I don't love you. Right. I'm still generous as anything with you. So that's, that's another feeling that I bring in when I'm flow dreaming that kind of releases the control. So as I built my company, that was always in my head. And you know, the kind of lack thinking I just pointed out, I had to go through so much um, disassembling of that. I, I I went on a crazy bender for several years of trying to see myself every time I had lack thoughts. It was, it was wild. Wow. Uh, how many pop up in the course of just a single day. Every lack thought for me, it's like, I think I'm holding a balloon in my hands, a little red balloon. Remember the red balloon? Yeah, that that movie we had to watch every rainy day for about five years in my elementary school. <laughs> I probably saw that movie like a hundred times. So the red balloon, but this is a red balloon. The helium is kind of gone and it's just kind of bouncing above the floor a little bit. Every time you have a, a lack thought, it's like you're, you're touching the balloon because you want to catch it, but instead you're gently knocking it a little bit out of distance again. Mm. And then you go toward it because you really want it. And then you just touch it and there it goes again. So it's this never ending game. And that's what lack thoughts do. I really want it. Oh, but it's going to be hard. I have 50 years ahead of me. I'm in the dead center of my life. Oh, the next 50, it's just going to be a decline. I've done everything. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm good for. I've failed so far. Why would it be any different in the future? I'll never be able to make up lost time. I'll never be able to fill that 401k. Like lack, lack, lack. And again, think about that house of mirrors. What are you exuding then? What color crayons are you putting out? House of mirrors. Life's going to reflect back to you. She expects hard. She expects not to have a retirement. She, she expects that she was a failure and will continue to be. Okay, folks. I guess that's what we give her until she changes her mind. So anyway, I kind of talked about building my company and (laughs) kind of went off someplace else. No, that's okay. You were on a roll. I think we, we needed to hear that. So. So what you're really talking about is a daily process. And I know from your notes that you, um, you know, you believe, and I completely agree that reinvention, um, doesn't have to only get kicked into gear when you're at an all time low. 
but it really can be a daily process. So tell us a little bit more about some of your ideas with how to deal with this whole, oh my God, what am I supposed to do with the rest of my life? Right. So first of all, you're recognizing that you're in a dead zone, um, emotionally flatlining. I have a, a, a metaphor for the dead zone. In the Pacific Ocean, there are areas of hypoxia, total lack of oxygen. And what happens is all the fish that go there die. I mean, they're just like these floating areas of, of you know, too much plankton and not enough oxygen. And sometimes we feel like we're in that dead zone in our own lives, right? That we're just kind of, we don't know how we wandered into one, but here we are. But I, I remind people, look, outside of that dead zone is the rest of the ocean. And every now and then you might wander into one by accident, but our job is to recognize it, knock it too far in and swim out again. But you have to recognize that you're there, first of all. So my daily practice um, involves, yes, going into flow about whatever it is that I'm trying to create or shape for myself. And it's a it's a practice that it has three components to it, the flow dreaming technique itself. One, I go there through daydreaming. Um, so it's not really a meditation practice because I want people to see things. I want images. I want things that feel luscious and 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 bright because I want this imagery, this daydream to awaken, to evoke emotion in you. And in the beginning, it can be tough if you've been in a dead zone, right? You're, you're like, oh, I kind of felt something, but not really. I'm like, great. It was better than yesterday when you felt nothing, right? <laughs> so <laughs> you're, you're going to awaken some emotion. And then the, the key is the state of being in flow. And I would say like when you're, when you're daydreaming, we forget where we are. Like you're driving home and you're like, oh no, I forgot about, did I stop at all those stoplights? It's usually what I ask myself. And part of me is there. It's like, obviously I did. Another part of me was completely someplace else. When you're in flow, it feels exactly like that. You forget that you're sitting here. You forget your eyes are closed. You are so much someplace else. But unlike regular daydreaming, you don't lose sight of the fact that you're in it. Because you're functional there. It's sort of like lucid dreaming or night dreaming. You're feeling things. You're guiding. And you recognize that I'm actually creating. So yes, that's, that's the technique that I do every day. And, and my business partly is, well, fully, <laughs> mostly fully is built on the back of that. Um, I, I've recorded hundreds of quote flow dreams, um, around all different topics. And some of them are, are to initiate deep inner change. Um, such as, uh, I am experiencing profound and deep inner forgiveness and gentleness with myself. Gentleness for all the things I never accomplished. Uh, forgiveness for all the, the vile things or stupid decisions I made in my life that I'm still mad at myself for. I need to let go of that. I don't want to bring self anger into my next 50. So I'm going to practice this deep, continuous feeling of forgiving myself over and over until one day I'm I'm practicing or listening to the slow dream around it. And I realize I don't have any more emotions stewing around this. It's just, I went through it and I'm out the other side. So what do you mean by recording a flow dream? Is that like a, a guided meditation that's specifically it, on that topic? Yeah. Again, but it's not a meditation. Right. I think of it more like a quote, energy activation because we're okay. here. Okay. <laughs> All right. So because <laughs> meditation, people are like, oh, I have to like clear my mind and I'm so right. bad at it. And I'm, not, I'm like, no, this is more, I call it a bubble bath for your mind. We're going to go Ooh, in I love, bubble bath. Oh, now then, now we're talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love, give me a bubble bath any day. 
And so you're going to go into it. And yes, it's a recorded audio, essentially, anywhere from like eight minutes to 20 some minutes. Um, and like I said, I've recorded several hundred of them. So the forgiveness is a flow dream. You may have a different flow dream on, um, I am so ready to uh, start my own business. I, I've helped a lot of coaches and, and, and entrepreneurs, a lot of women who come around to that idea, especially in our fifties, when we realize yeah. I don't want to work for anybody else ever again in my entire life. How can I make that happen? And you go, oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a flow dream around that would be, I have clients lining up out the door. I am in demand. My work is rich and valuable. I feel so rewarded for it. Right. And that would be the context of that particular flow mm-hmm. dream that you would do. And you can see it's all positioned around emotions. Yeah, you can put, you know, sales figures or numbers of clients, but I encourage people not to do that. I'm like, go for the emotions. Let the universe know how you want to feel. Let the universe figure out what things have to come together to reach those feelings in you, to match those in you. Mm, I love that. All right. Now I'm looking at your notes. So tell us about restocking the pantry. Okay. Uh, Going back to the dead zone, going back to emotional flatlining. I noticed over the last couple of years that a lot of people I worked with had reached, like maybe they were already kind of tippy, you know, <laughs> 40s, 50s. We start to feel that way. Our hormones are changing. We're wondering about our relevance anymore. We're starting to feel unseen at work and unseen by the world. Um, and we just kind of slide into, I don't know what I want. I have no idea what I want. All I know is I'm just getting by. So one of the techniques I use, I call restocking the pantry. And I say, look, it's like you're opening up a pantry and you're trying to bake a cake, but all you've got in there is some old cinnamon from 2012. You've got (laughs) prunes and you've got, you know, vinegar. Like that is, that's the suckiest cake. I would not want to make a cake either. So what are we going to do? We're going to go out and we're going to find some new ingredients. You're like, well, I don't know what ingredients. I'm like, I don't care. You know, you're not, you're not doing this to find things that you're in love with. Stop putting that pressure on yourself. I want you to do some weird things, some things that you've forgotten about doing, some things you did 20 years ago, pick up the flute again, go for a walk on the beach. Um, you know, see it, see a girlfriend you haven't seen in five years. Um, you know, go to the bakery and buy a, a, you know, a fun cake for yourself and give yourself a birthday party when it's not your birthday. You know what, Summer? I love that you, you pointed out, um, putting pressure on ourselves because yeah. I see that with so many clients, you know, who are like, I don't know what my passion is. I don't know what I want to do. And there's such pressure to get it perfect the first mm-hmm. time with some extremely obvious, uh, a massive, not obvious, like an extreme epiphany of grandeur, you know, and it's like, that's, that's really, that's not realistic. <laughs> no, not when you've only got like prunes and, and cinnamon and, and vinegar. Yeah. It's right? so true. So you, and, and the power of responding, the, the, the power of sp- responding to things is so insightful. You know, there's so yeah. much power there, but we're in such a culture of just give me the pill. I want to take it and I want to know my passion and I want to get down to business. And yeah. it's just not all about, you know, getting where we think we want to go. It's about really enjoying and learning from every step along the way. It, and I know that sounds cliche, but again, just like we were talking about before, 
with my thought that I didn't appreciate of lack is we don't even appreciate how uh, the sense of urgency on completing the task of perfecting life, uh, how much pressure there is in that. And it's such a distraction and it's such a bummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could go off on a whole tangent on that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you mentioned that. Now tell me about trust. You talk about the trifecta of trust. Okay. So leading from the pantry, you've restocked your pantry now. Thank God. And you've restocked it with all these weird experiences, new experiences, some you like, some you frankly don't like at all, right? That's when you buy that bag of chips and you're like, these are disgusting. I'm, I put them in the pantry. I did it, but I hated it. It's fine. You will have ingredients then. You will, ha- it, something will be assemblable. You could make peanut butter cookies. You'd be like, oh my gosh, there's some flour and peanut butter in here now. To do that though, right? That's, that's how you start to break out of that dead zone and start to feel alive again. But you have to be collecting these little jewels of experiences to yeah. have something to work with. The trifecta of trust is a little bit of a different concept. Um, that one really goes back to, remember how I was talking about the universe being stingy or abundant? Yeah. I found that many of us at this age, we've had a lot of things happen to us over the years that have like chipped us. You know, we're like a bunch of chipped china in the, <laughs> in the, in the cabinet. And how does China get chipped? Cause we've had a dang ton of tea parties, right? We've, we've lived. I mean, I hope, <laughs> I hope that's right. how you got chipped. So being chipped up, being a little broken here and there, it's not a bad thing. It's evidence of a life well lived. So I suggest not fearing getting chipped up, not fearing getting a little bit broken. And part of that means you have to trust. And trust is one of the things that gets chipped away in us the quickest. I don't trust other people. They broke my heart. They didn't value me. Um, they didn't see, you know, they weren't as good of a friend to me as I was to them. They dropped me. I don't trust myself. I made crappy decisions my whole life. I married the wrong person. Uh, I, I, I didn't stand up for someone when I should have you know, a lot of stuff, right? Breaking trust of who we wanted to be. And I don't trust the universe because my universe has never looked out for me. Um, it, it hasn't given me the things that I wanted. So those are the three areas that I ask people to look into. Um, which area of your trust is most broken? Because it means a lot happened there in your life, in that particular area. For instance, when I had cancer, my trust in the universe just snapped in half. Oh, yeah. uh, my trust of my body, myself, broke as well. And I realized, whoa, I cannot go forward without trust in either of these areas. So I had to come back into a come to Jesus moment with my body, right? As they say, okay, body, I've got to trust you again. I don't know why you did this. You betrayed me. You just flat out betrayed me. All right. How do I trust you again? And I had to go about rebuilding that. And then with the universe, why did you give this to me? What was the point of this? Like literally, I've been vegetarian for 24 years. I sacrificed, damn it. You should not have given me this. That was my conversation with the universe at the time. <laughs> I'm like, I am eating bacon from now on. So <laughs> I had to rebuild it and say, if I don't trust the universe going forward, what's going to happen? I'm not going to get anything I want. Like I will literally be telling the universe, I don't trust you. You won't help me. And life again, I would say life reflects back exactly what you are. 
Imagine you are the, the sun in the solar system, right? You radiate your expectations and beliefs. Everything around you is imprinted with them. Everything around you responds to them continuously. The opportunities that come in, people you talk to, the way you interact with people, expectations, all these microscopic ways. So if we're changing ourselves on the inside, the outside will change in response. It has to, it's guaranteed. So I had to rebuild the trust. And that's a whole lengthy thing of how you go about doing that. But it's enough to know that, oh man, maybe I should look into those areas and see where my trust is a little janky. Well, even just what you described right now with cancer and having a body that fails you, I thought was such an, an amazing example because so many of us can relate to that. So that's great. And I know you've got lots of other um, ideas and techniques. Can you tell us a little bit about your book or books, is it, and your podcast? Yes. So a lot of the stuff I'm talking about comes from this book that just came out. It's called Stuff Nobody Taught You, 40 Ways to Stop Being Miserable and Start Feeling Amazing. And it's based on a program that I taught for 10 years uh, called Me School. And I'm actually uh, working with my final class right now. Mm. Um, I I kind of figured, you know, this is another thing that happens when you're in your 50s. You go, it's time for something new. I've done this for a decade now. Uh, especially when you kind of reach a point of mastery with something like I need to be refreshed myself. Absolutely. I need to go explore new things. So I'm bringing this final class through, but I recorded everything that I've been teaching over the decade in this book. And a lot of these concepts, the trust, the pantry, the dead zone, uh, revitalization, the crayon box, it all comes, you know, from the teachings that are in there. Um, but the book that started everything is literally flow dreaming. And it's a very small, slender book. And it just teaches people this emotional practice. Um, and it's just, it's kind of like a s- tutorial, <laughs> you know, just read it, start doing it, see how it works for you. I tell people like, let me know. You come to my website if you want to learn more and start practicing. So, uh, and the website is flowdreaming.com. Everything is flow dreaming. So just look up flow dreaming. You'll find the podcast, Flow Dreaming, et cetera. I started the podcast, by the way, 19 years ago. So well, I mean, that been is around no, forever. I am my so, life. Uh, what a delight. That was another reason I wanted to meet you. I just passed my six year anniversary and I was, <laughs> and I was feeling kind of like an original with a lot of the community that I'm in. But yeah. 19 years, you were really doing some cutting edge stuff back then. Oh, yeah. The podcast world was very, very tiny. Yeah. Um, but I put together a network of a lot of different podcasts and webinars, uh, back then in 2005 is, uh, uh when I launched it. And, uh, it, it's been, it's, it's a really strange journey because for a while I thought I should probably take down like my first nine or 10 years. I, I sound like a baby. I sound like somebody who just, you know, Sounds ridiculous. I know, I knew nothing. <laughs> As we look back in our younger selves, it's weird to have your perspective of the world and your own growth be cataloged every single week yeah. for 19 years and to have the public see it. And then I thought, nah, I'm going to leave it up. You know, let everybody know this is what growth looks like or hopefully looks like. You know, this is me encountering cancer. This is me losing my job. This is me. Um, having the best year of my company ever. This is me, you know, shifting gears and letting go of a bunch of stuff that I just don't want to do anymore. You know, watch me do all of these things. So it's kind of a, it's a very vulnerable experience leaving all that content up. Yeah. But again, we're 50. Who cares? (laughs) 
I talk to myself in supermarkets now. I don't care. And and we know now how good vulnerability is for us. I mean, that mm-hmm. is is really good to feel vulnerable. Uh, and you're still helping people, which is amazing. Now, where can we get this latest book of your stuff? Nobody taught you 40 lessons from me school to help you stop being miserable and start feeling amazing. Where can we find that? Anywhere books are sold. <laughs> it should be every, it should be everywhere. Barnes and Noble or if you, if you have a local bookstore, they can order it for you if they don't have it in stock. Um, Amazon, of course, uh, Booktopia. It should be everywhere. Oh, that's Logan amazing. It's really more just available on Amazon. Um, so I, I'd probably go there, you know, and, and order it. I think your local bookstore can get it to you, but it's just going to take a while. And you also have an app, right? I do. I have a couple of apps, but the one that I think is the coolest is Flow Dreaming for Meditation and Manifesting or Manifesting and Meditation. I always forget which direction that goes in. Um, but it's like a, it, it gives people like a free, oh, I have this too. Um, on YouTube, as well as on my website and inside the app, I have a tutorial that teaches people how to flow dream. It's just a series of audios, um, some PDFs, like a little, a little booklet that you can use. And if you get the app, um, you should find that there under my files and you can start doing it there. And I actually give a couple of flow dreams to people. Oh, that's great. One is called positive flow. And it really just gets you in a state of exquisite alignment, lifts you out of where you are, helps you feel like the universe is on my side. Everything is well. I am well. And uh, I encourage everybody to, to at least do that, at least get that. Summer, it's been, it's been so much fun getting to know you and, um, just, you know, dipping our toes into the land of woo just a little bit. Oh yeah. Tell us the name of your podcast. Oh, uh, flow dreaming still kind of woo woo. <laughs> <laughs> it was just flow, it was just flow dreaming for many years. And then last year I said, I need a reinvention, <laughs> right? That's our topic. So I said, I'm just going to add still kind of woo woo on there because now I can just go out and and spread my wings and not just teach flow dreaming, but I can interview people or I can, I can look into other subjects like crystals and moon magic and, you know, sprinkle a little of that stuff in there and, you know, dabble here and there. So I do that. This gave me some more freedom. Exactly. There's no limit. And, and that's what's so much fun is the more you uh, become aware of what you want, the more Mm -hmm. you can really allow that kind of happiness uh, and giddiness and delight into your life with just so much more intention. And it's just, uh, you know, it's so much easier to recognize the stuff after you start allowing it more often. So good. Thank you so much, Summer. Super fun. I wish you the best with everything that you do. Susie, thank you so much for having me. It was delightful. You're such a wonderful conversationalist. And I hope I inspired some thoughts in your mind and everybody else's and everybody stands in the shower, takes a bubble bath tonight and says, oh, yeah, she said about trust, right? I'll just go from there. Thank you. Oh, so good. Thank you. Okay, that's it for this episode. Wow. I hope you were inspired from this interview with Summer as much as I was. I thought her approach and ideas were such a great fit and complement to our coaching work together here on the Women in the Middle podcast, don't you? What do you think about that idea of trusting the universe more in terms of your own path to more happiness? Did that resonate with you? Do you do that or do you resist? It's so important to really check in with yourself about what you actually think about this and all kinds of thoughts 
and how you might be getting in your own way. And if you have an enormous wild urge to buy a huge box of crayons with a sharpener on the outside, <laughs> not only do I totally give you permission, but I also totally understand. And you, you know, I'm going to be doing the same thing. <laughs> so as you know, this podcast is all about how to love your life again after 50. It's really all about coaching you to be more intentional and to incorporate mindfulness into your life as a regular practice. This is how you put yourself on your agenda. So my focus for you as your midlife coach is to help you get unstuck, clear, and focused on your current values and priorities so you don't have regrets. I can help you create the success you're looking for. That's why I created the Women in the Middle Happiness Academy with you in mind because it's a warm, supportive, and fun coaching community of like-minded women who grow forward together. It is totally possible to feel great about your roadmap to having more fun and finding more meaning and, of course, regret-proofing your life. So email me your questions and let's talk about it and see if it's for you. Go ahead and book your free, no-obligation momentum call at www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. And finally, for show notes and links, head over to www.susierosenstein.com and click the podcast tab and look for episode 339. Thanks so much for listening. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. I'm Susie Rosenstein, and I'll talk to you next week. Okay.